Hi, I'm Patricia Grabarek. And I'm Katina Sawyer, and welcome to the Worker Being Podcast. So today, Katina, you have the first article for the year to share with what? us today. I didn't <laughs> even realize that. Yeah. Like, what an honor. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> so um, today, I for our first article of the year, I'm going to be talking about um, compassion in the workplace, which we've talked about before, but I'm going to be talking about team compassion, so how much compassion your group actually has as a collective, and I'm going to be talking about how compassion can actually help people get through crisis events um, like the one that we are going through with COVID, um, and how that might play a role in whether or not employees are willing to actually... um, speak up in their workplace to improve things or to say uh, where things are not going well or to call out like bad behavior um, because they may feel more or less secure in their jobs. So um, basically, how does compassion promote positive workplace outcomes by helping people feel better when they're going through a hard time? Love it. I mean, I think it's such an important thing. We always talk about how, you know, that people in your workplace can really have an impact on your wellness. So I'm excited to hear more about this article. Yeah, I am excited to talk about it. But before we do that, we should talk about our event that happened last night. That was fun. Yes, that was so much fun. Oh, my gosh. I was like, what should we talk about? I was waiting for you to say it. And then when he said, I was like, oh, yeah, hello. We had a great event. (laughs) (laughs) What are we going to (laughs) say? I was like, what is she talking about? (laughs) Um, But yes, it was so much fun. Um, I really like the Toucan platform. I think it's fun. It's our first time trying it out and actually like presenting a few things before going into our little groups. So that was cool. I think it worked out pretty well. Do the people know what Toucan is? Oh, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, well, Toucan is like a a platform. Uh, I think it's like toucan.app might be their website. but either, yeah, or, t- or right. .events or I don't know. Either way, put in Toucan events if you want to Google it. It's like this really fun um, – it's, it's like a Zoom but more interactive, right? Like you have a video chat functionality. You have chat chat functionality. You've got – an ability to present but mostly it's like a space where you have like your own little you join as a little bubble and then you can go through the space and talk to anybody in the space so you're not like everybody's in one group it's you can all be in one group or you can have a bunch of little smaller conversations and you can leave a conversation go find a different one so it makes it more like a fluid networking mingling type thing where you don't um have to be stuck in one presentation room or like a forced breakout group it's very much more fluid than that yeah it's like floaty it's like uh (laughs) you float around you talk to people you can like join a little group you can join a one person another person can join you like I like it it's really fun Mm -hmm. I do too I do too and like it's one of those things where there's not a lot of tools that have that and then this one has the functionality to do that networking piece but you also can jump into presenter mode and you know share something with everybody as the whole audience and then break out of that and go into your bubbles again so it kind of gives you a lot of flexibilities to how you do it and it makes it more casual so you're not like forced into different groups and things yeah it was fun I mean I think it worked well I liked it we'll have Mm -hmm. to see what other people thought about it but I liked it. I think it was like a good mix of a little bit of content, 
a little bit of like workplace wellness related discussion because we did some um, like roundtable conversations where people could pick to go to one of two topics about community and workplace wellness. And then um, we did some networking and then we announced our community, which I think was yes. also very cool. Yes. So we um, are super excited to be launching a membership community that um, will allow people to connect together and have you know, discussions with like-minded people around workplace wellness and kind of build a virtual community of all of our worker being followers. So we're launching that on February 1st. Um, and there's a lot of different options that we'll be providing. We'll provide more details in the future and I'll have a link in the show notes where you can actually go and sign up to get updates around our membership, um, and our community. So we'll give you some information, uh, some basic information on the site today and then we'll be able to follow up when we have more details as we kind of get closer to February 1st but it'll be a lot of fun um great opportunity for people to meet and connect we'll also be a part of that community and having conversations with folks as well as you know giving people some different types of perks and the other really positive thing about our community is the idea of supporting research so Katina and I have talked about before how we're doing some of our own research and this is a way to help support furthering the workplace wellness research space. Yeah, I think it'll be really nice because one of the things that we really wanted to do for 2022 was to create community and to find new ways to create community with you all. And we love doing the podcast and hearing from you by email or folks that respond to our newsletter or comment on our social media posts. But we really wanted to have a central space where we could make it fun for you all to go and learn from and connect with each other, but also connect with us directly. So we wanted to talk with you more and hear more of what you have on your minds and answer more of your questions um, and keep a pulse on, you know, what's top of mind for you from a workplace wellness perspective. And it seemed like this was a really good way for us to do that. And so we're excited to meet more of you and talk with more of you in there. So if you have questions, you know, think about what you want to ask and bring them to the platform. Or if you want to meet other people who do a similar job role to you, if your job involves workplace wellness, we have lots of people in our hive that are that way. Um, we also, you know, just have folks who generally enjoy talking about these topics. So if that's you, there's definitely going to be people in there like that. Um, so bringing people together. But also we thought, um, you know, it would be great if we could benefit from the community by pr being able to sustain our research, but then also we can feed that benefit back to you by giving you a first preview of that research um, and also, you know, allowing the hive to benefit from other things that we're learning along the way in our courses and things like that. So I think it's just like a, a win situation for everybody. Very excited. And um, we hope that you go check it out um, after you're done listening to this episode because um, you can uh, sign up to get alerts to be the first to know. Yes, yes. So definitely check that out. Um, and we'll be sending out more information as we get it. And the first month, we plan to have some extra special um, perks as well. So Ooh. February will be a fun month, which actually didn't even think about it when we picked February 1st as our launch time. But both of us have birthdays in February. So it's kind of I like know. <laughs> having the birth a of little our bit community. of an extra perk during and, our yeah. birthdays <laughs> month. <laughs> we're birthing a community in the month that we were birthed. <laughs> That's really gross. <laughs> I know. Not weird at all. But February That's is a great disgusting. month. 
It is. It, it is. is the best month. <laughs> There's no better month than Agreed. February. Yes. It's the month of all months. The greatest of months. Um, but speaking of compassion and community, and we hope that our community shows you some compassion, maybe we should talk <laughs> a little bit about our article here. Yeah. Tell me who wrote it. Give me all the deets. Cool. Okay. So this article is called Compassion During Difficult Difficult Times. Oh, if I could talk, that would be good. Uh, <laughs> team Compassion Behavior, Suffering, Supervisory Dependence, and Employee Voice During COVID-19. Okay, that's a lot of words. I'm going to break down what that means. Um, it's by We and Fair, and it is uh, from the Journal of Applied Psychology, and it was published last year, although that's a little bit um, misleading because uh, it was literally published like a couple weeks ago, um, but... It was technically 2021 when it came out. December 2021. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Um, So basically, this is, as we have been covering, one of the studies that uh, comes out around or has come out around COVID and looking at specifically the period of time that's happened in the past few years, which frankly, all research that's been done in the past few years in the workplace is COVID research (laughs) uh, because everybody's been coping with this, right? Um, But this is specifically incorporating um, the pandemic into the model, but it has some other implications for uh, folks going through hard times. And um, this is a particularly useful article, as are all the articles that have been published in Journal of Applied Psychology around COVID, because they have uh, kindly made all these articles available for free. So um, you can get this article, read the full article if you want, which I love. Um, but basically what this article looked at, um, in a, uh, uh, hospitality setting was the extent to which employees sort of felt the strength of the COVID-19 pandemic event. Um, which I know that that's kind of a weird way of saying that, but basically, (laughs) um, it has to do with the extent to which, um, you felt like the pandemic kind of disrupted um, what you uh, knew about how to do your work. Um, if it pushed you to interpret what you, uh, the value that you assigned to your work in a new way, if you had to like change or create new behaviors at work, um, you had to like, it was like an emergency. Like you felt like you were in like an urgent mode to adapt um, in your work. So it basically was like, to what extent does the pandemic change your working life is how they're defining this event strength. And um, sort of the start of their project here was to say, okay, how does the extent to which COVID-19 really impacted the way that people work, um, how strongly the event affected them, impact their suffering, um, feelings of suffering as an individual? And then what implications does that suffering have for their work outcomes and how might compassionate behavior sort of save people from the downstream implications, like negative implications of their suffering. So I'll pause there just to give a little um, conversation around the event strength and the suffering piece. So I think the event strength piece is really interesting because, well, it makes sense to test something like that because obviously like I'm just thinking about myself and while obviously a lot of stuff changed and there was, a, I still felt impacted by COVID. I was working remotely always already. So right. there wasn't like a massive change in my day to day. And I feel like the type of 
suffering or struggling that I would have experienced could be very, very different compared to somebody else. So I think that's a really smart model to actually look at that as a piece, not just saying, well, COVID happened and so everyone's suffering, right? Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. And it's also looking at kind of um, the extent to which uh, individuals experience suffering specifically at work too. Right. Um, So to your point, uh, if you're feeling suffering at work, it's likely that it's going to be the case that um, you might have experienced greater changes at work because of the pandemic. So folks that were already kind of doing the things that people might have had to adapt to at work maybe wouldn't have answered as highly to items about like while at work I was suffering or while at work I felt pain or while at work I was feeling fear or while at work I was feeling distressed. Um, It's true that you could feel threatened or feel like things were disruptive to you or stressful to you during that time period just because of what was happening. But if you were also dealing with a lot of changes at work, it probably exacerbated that. Yeah, exactly. Right. If you're completely changing the way you work, structure of your work, what your day to day looks like um, at work, that's obviously very different than, you know, yes, you're right. Like maybe I'm stressed out because of things outside of work. I'm not able to go out and hang out with friends like I normally would. But I go into my office the exact same way I did the day before a lockdown or before things changed with COVID is, yeah, the my work itself might be very, might be less impacted overall. Yeah. Yeah. So they're basically saying, okay, the extent to which the pandemic disrupted your work or made you think about your work differently or changed the way you approach your work, it's probably going to cause you some pain or fear or distress um, that might be greater than somebody who didn't experience those changes. So the kind of theory behind it is that when individuals experience suffering, so you're in this state of painfulness or distress, you're like losing resources that you need to be able to do your job well. And we've used this conservation of resources theory before many times on the podcast, a very popular theory in wellness research. Basically the idea that the amount of resources that you expend has to match the amount of resources that you gain or else you're going to go into a burnout state, right? And so the suffering that you're experiencing as a result of going through this really distressing time in COVID Um, causes you to lose resources. And so sort of the first link in their model is that when you're losing these resources, you might become more dependent on your supervisor. And so um, you might start clinging to your supervisor more, um, you know, being more concerned about talking to them about career goals, like where's my career going? Uh, Can I engage in development opportunities? Do you think I'll be eligible for promotion anytime soon? Am I going to be able to keep my job? Or like, Am I going to have the materials that I need to do my job or am I going to get the information that I need or will I have the time that I need? Um, So really like growing more dependent on your supervisor during that period of time as a way of re-garnering those resources. Um, And I think supervisors saw a lot of this during the pandemic that people were suffering and sort of turned to them with their needs of like, I need you to provide me with some stability or I want to know that I'm still on track or I want to know that my job is secure. I want to know that you're going to be able to give me the resources that I need to do my job or I I need some more time or I need some more information, right? Um, That as people experience this suffering, they are more likely to start relying more heavily on their supervisor to replenish those resources instead of being able to sort of um, rely on themselves or other people or just like trust that things were going to happen. I can imagine, well, this is like another study, but I'd be curious to learn once they become more supervisor dependent, 
in this type of situation with supervisors are also dealing with most likely some change in their workplace. Like, what does that look like? But that's yeah. neither here nor there. It's just made me think about it. <laughs> yeah, totally. And and one thing that they did um, actually account for in this study, and their model still held up even when they like controlled for this, was the extent to which the supervisors reported that they were relying on their employees. Um, so how dependent are you on this employee for things that you care about or things that you need? Um, so actually independent of how much they were sort of feeling like I really need my employees. Um, it's still held that the supervisor dependence was like doing something in the model that was, uh, making an impact, but that's not exactly what you're saying. You're, I like, I feel like you're more saying it from a well-being perspective, but it is interesting that it still made a difference regardless of how much they felt they were turning to their employees for similar sorts of things. Right. Right. Yeah. No, I think it is really interesting. I mean, I'm glad they controlled for that. It seems like a very yeah. study for a COVID study. That's so quick. Yeah. Yes. So, so now the next piece before I get into the compassion piece is that when people depend more on their supervisor. So just as a, a quick recap, COVID happens, you're pushed into a place where you're feeling like you're disrupted in the way you do your work. That causes you more suffering at work. You turn to your supervisor and become more dependent on them because you're looking to replenish these resources. And as a result, you might be less likely to do things that can actually help improve your workplace, which are uh, employee voice mechanisms. So there's two types of voice, which is basically just the idea of speaking up. One is speaking up around ways to make suggestions for improving things like, oh, we should take on this new project or we should improve this procedure or we should do this in order to help us reach our goals or making a suggestion that's constructive. Um, And there's also prohibitive voice, which is like, hey, don't do that. Or, hey, there's a problem that I think is causing us an issue. Or um, I think we have some folks that might be holding us up from being efficient. Uh, So there's sort of this prohibitive voice, which is pointing out problems. And this promotive voice, which is suggesting ways to improve. And both of these things actually help teams to do better uh, when people are able to bring up problems and when they're able to suggest improvements, as you might imagine. But this model basically says that people are less likely to use their voice at work when they're more dependent on their supervisor because they're afraid that if they point out where things aren't working as well as they could or where things are actively going wrong, they might make their supervisor upset and lose that dependence. So they try not to do anything that's going to make them stand out. They just sort of follow the rules and stick to the plan and don't want to kind of make any waves. So the idea is that when these events happen, people suffer, they turn to their supervisor for support, and in an effort not to lose those resources they're getting from their supervisor, they stop doing things that could improve their workplace. Yeah, I wonder, so the model, does it actually show that because of the supervisor dependence that they then um, are not doing these types of voice or speaking up type of things? Or is it, like, is that what the relationship's supposed to look like? Yeah, so they do have a time lag between their measure of supervisory dependence and their voice mechanism, and the supervisors rated them on their voice and they rated their dependence on the supervisor. So they have mm-hmm. multi-source and it is time lagged, but it's still, you know, a field study and there could be other things going on um, in between the two measures, but um, they tried their best to create as much causality as they could in a field study. Yeah. Well, I find that really interesting. I just, the only reason why is I'm wondering if there's like, another factor here because 
if I'm really dependent on my supervisor, I, you know, and I'm dependent on my supervisor because I have more of the suffering, which includes things like fear, like maybe I'm not speaking up, not because, not just because I'm afraid of losing resources for my supervisor, but maybe I just don't want to ruffle any feathers anywhere right. and just right. stay under the radar during this time. Um, supervisor dependence could be a piece of that, but it may, I don't know if it, I wonder if there's m- more things too. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So it totally makes sense. They controlled for a few things. I don't know if they really take care of what you're talking about. So um, just to like give a little bit more on the methods since we're talking about this. So um, so basically they collected each data point at a different week of the pandemic. So like they collected uh, COVID event strength at one time point um, during one week. And then the next week they... Um, Uh, measured team compassion and then the next week they measured suffering and uh, supervisory dependence the following week and then the following week uh, their supervisors completed the measures of um, voice so they had a week lag between each piece of their model Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, this was uh, in a sample as I mentioned of hospitality workers and so um, they had uh, over 200 workers and 82 supervisors that matched those workers that filled out the surveys. So a decent sample. Um, but they controlled for a bunch of stuff to try to make sure that something else wasn't um, accounting for this. So they controlled for age. They controlled for how long the employees had been in their jobs, level of education. Um, they also controlled for psychological safety to make sure that that oh. wasn't an alternative explanation for why. Um So they did control for that. They controlled for how large the group was because they thought people might speak up more frequently um, in uh, in uh, smaller groups. Mm -hmm. Um, They also included the size of the hotel that the employees were working in um, for the same reason. They controlled for how anxious people were to make sure that it wasn't anxiety as opposed to suffering that was driving um, the effects uh, and I already mentioned that they controlled for um, uh, supervisors' dependence on the employee to make sure that um, it wasn't just that the employee was saying they depend on their supervisor because the supervisor's like asking them to do a bunch of stuff. So, um, so they controlled for a bunch of things. I don't know if those things necessarily get at what you're saying, but they did try to think about alternate explanations at least for um, why people weren't speaking up. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, some of those things I do think account for it, right? Like, not it's not like exactly what I was saying, but things like mm-hmm. tenure, people that are newer, always less likely to speak up. Um, if you think about things like I can't remember one of the things you had said that kind of made me think, oh, that captures a piece of it. Psych but safety, maybe psych safety. Yes. Yeah. Um, I feel like that captures a piece of it, too. So it seems like there's they're controlling for a lot of stuff. So it, that's really interesting. I mean, it's very thorough, which I think is awesome. Um, and I do think that. Like, clearly, employee dependence does lead to this behavior, but just, you know, there might be other things, too. But it does seem like that that relationship, obviously, based on the study, is there and strong, given that it's not just accounted for by all these other factors. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they did their best in the time constraints that they had. Um, So basically, all of these things are going on, and um, we know that, you know based on their theory that when people experience these strong events, it could have these bad consequences for things that could improve the workplace um, and also for individuals, pain and suffering. And what they're, 
basically hypothesizing is that all of these relationships get weaker when the team is more compassionate. So the event strength is less likely to imp- is less likely to have an impact on suffering. So the stronger the event, less likely to actually it boosts suffering. And then if suffering is less high, then um, supervisory dependence um, uh, doesn't go up as much. And then promotive voice and prohibitive voice don't go down as much, right? So they're basically saying that when teams are compassionate, it buffers the strength of the event and that feeling of disruption so that people don't suffer as much. And then that basically impacts the rest of the model to not have as many bad consequences. Um, And so team compassion here, uh, just so folks are aware of how they're talking about it, has to do with noticing that people are suffering. It has to do with empathizing with people that are suffering And then it has to do with taking some kind of an action to address the suffering that other people are experiencing. So it's about paying careful attention. If somebody's talking about their troubles, like you're not just like ignoring it. I know sometimes on teams, people can be like, I'm having a bad day. And people are like, yeah, okay. So anyway, um, but really paying attention when people start talking about their troubles and letting them sort of vent and get it out and really hearing what they're saying. Um, It's also about kind of taking time to, um, notice when people are upset and when you see that you're reaching out to say like I'm here for you do you want to talk about this uh taking time to really show caring like listening and empathizing with people and then actually going out of your way to continue following up so showing comfort to people who said that they felt sad um or really checking in with people who have been upset so it's not just about um are you kind of in the moment showing person compassion, but it's about really having your radar up for making sure that you're noticing other people's suffering, showing some caring in the moment, but then also continuing to take action to make sure that that person's doing okay. So basically what I'm hearing is if you have awesome team members, you're less likely to have anything bad happen. (laughs) And because, and like people that actually genuinely care about you in this moment, um, so it's not like the, the types of behaviors you just described is like, you know, if somebody cares, not only do they hear it and they take an interest in the moment, but there's follow up, right? Like just ima- like when you think about the times when someone tells you like, oh, I have to take off early today because, you know, my dog has to go to the vet and that person that asks you later, like, well, what happened with your dog? Like that is right. Showing continuous compassion and empathy and concern. Um, and I don't that in that example there's no like follow-up actions but checking in is kind of a follow-up action right seeing how the person's yeah. doing and what there might be to to do to support them and making sure things are okay so I think that yeah that makes a lot of sense and it's like a really good definition of compassion because I think it's very tangible as to like what you can do like you listen you mm-hmm. react to it you support in the moment and then you follow up yeah fairly simple yeah yeah, and if the person said, you know, actually I did take my pet to the vet because they're really sick with something, you might say, oh, that's like really challenging. You know, I that happened to me before or, you know, I know that pets can be like family or whatever. Like, what happened? And then they talk about it and you listen. And then maybe a week later you say, you know, how's everything going with your dog or whatever? You know, like those are the kinds of behaviors that – um, would fall in line with this as opposed to someone says, oh yeah, you know, I've been taking my dog to the vet because they're sick with whatever. And you're like, oh wow, that's a shame. Like, 
Anyway, moving on to the task that we're doing, right, which happens in some mm-hmm. teams where there's really no leeway for those kinds of conversations. Yeah. So so kind of taking the time to listen, recognizing that it's not a waste of time to have these conversations, to actually listen to your team members and allow them to express what's bothering them and then to show some empathy and following up. Um, it also might have to do with, you know, just having team members that aren't stretched so thin with so many tasks that they actually can be mindful enough to actually notice if someone's off or having a bad day. So it might not just be about, um, you know, telling people, hey, you know, it's great if you listen to one another. Or I promote people showing each other empathy, but also like avoiding overwork that might get people so narrowly focused on what they have to do that they're missing stuff that their colleagues are saying. So it's kind of a workload issue and a culture issue in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think. Um, sorry, I was just still thinking about what you were saying earlier in terms of like the behaviors, because I just think it's such so salient to me. But <laughs> yeah, um, but I think something that I've also been thinking about as you were talking was about the. Like the workload issue, yes, but also just about like how this the big picture of this model. So like, is there anything else from the results? Sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. For no, no. You talking about the results. No, no. That actually, all I'm going to say is everything that I just said, they found oh, to be true. Fantastic. So it all works. And so what we just unpacked is their model and it all works. Okay. Cause it's like, my mind is spinning around like from an organizational perspective, like what this means. Right. Um, like we're seeing that these employees are getting, some sort of compassion from their team and then the speak up piece I don't know why that like is really resonating with me right now and why I'm like my mind just keeps going to thinking about that yeah but I think it's because I'm thinking about like environments where in innovation and creativity is so crucial and there's a lot of organizations you know that struggle with those things and during COVID that's probably a time where a lot of innovation needs to happen and openness to it and problem solving and those kinds of speaking up behaviors feel like extra important at this time. And so when we're thinking about how we can just easily make a case from an organizational perspective that we need people that can actually speak up and, and make a difference because of their creativity, their innovation, their ideas, as well as fixing problems, like team compassion just seems like such a basic place to start for yeah. companies and obviously it impacts wellness but it also impacts the business and I think it's such a a basic principle that we forget so easily when we're busy yeah yeah definitely and they talked a little bit about that um that you know voice is really important for um you know cultivating a variety of really good um outcomes in the workplace but um one of the things that they uh focused on was this idea that you can't sort of go backwards and Mm. retroactively build a culture where people are compassionate. So you can't like if COVID hit and you didn't already have this culture, you couldn't be like, Oh no, like all of a sudden we have to go build this culture of compassion Mm. on our team because it's kind of too late at that point. Like you can't address the pain and suffering that's happening 
in the moment by turning the tide on your team culture. So they were saying, like, if you want to avoid these, like, you know, like you're saying, like, you want to make sure in the future that you're able to be creative and innovative and um, keep, you know, working as well as you can together as a team in times of struggle, you need to put this culture of compassion in place now because you can't make it an afterthought. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, it makes sense, right? Like, you can't be like, oh, everyone made my life miserable <laughs> or didn't care about my issues at the beginning of COVID. And now suddenly they're asking me how I'm feeling because of COVID. Like, right, eh, right. doesn't exactly. feel genuine. So, yeah, I think it's that is I mean, it's a great call out from the authors because I do think it's really important that we need to be thinking about this all the time. And this is kind of I mean, you know, this this is what we want to talk about always with worker being is we know it's so important to create these really positive environments to make sure people are happy, healthy, thriving so that we can create a a positive organization that actually meets its goals and does some innovative cool things and you know is able to be profitable and all these things that are really important from a business perspective and it doesn't happen if you can't address the basic culture and environment and I yep. feel like the study is like kind of like a small piece of that but it for some reason is really resonating because I think of the outcome of the voice piece and and where we are as a society right now like it is so important for us to make it so that our employees can have a voice and can make changes and can be able to talk about problems and situations that need to be fixed and addressed because people are leaving their companies and are reevaluating and are you know, this whole great resignation thing. I feel like I keep talking about it. I talked about it a lot last week during our yeah, uh, but it's 2022 positive. Yeah. Our, our 2022 trends or whatever like that. It's, it's such a poignant and like very near and dear to like my heart topic. Like just seeing all this stuff happening and how people are, are actually trying to find that, that place where they can be whole and do good work. And I feel like this is just such a great example of like really simple behaviors that team members can do to each other. Just asking and actually listening and following up like that is not that hard. Um, And I think it's really cool that something that simple that yes, you can't go back and change it, but you can start to fix it and start to get better at it um, for a future. And I think that something like that can is just not, it's not expensive and we can all do that. Everybody listening to this episode can do that and make a difference. Yeah, definitely. And I think as a leader of a team, particularly it's important to role model that. So, you know, you can tell your team, I want you to, you know, pay attention how each other's feeling. This is a hard time. And if somebody seems like they're struggling, I always support you and taking time to have conversations about how you can better support your team members. And I think that it's important that we actually take the time to hear each other out and do what we can to make sure that everybody's, you know, doing as well as they can be holistically. And you could say all that stuff, but if you're not doing it Mm -hmm. or when people bring things up to you, you're kind of brushing it off they're not going to do it for other people either. So it's important to make sure that you're role modeling those behaviors, no matter how busy you are, because it will help you and your team to ensure that you're able to continue improving when times are tough to be able to build that culture in now. So um, Mm -hmm. doing those behaviors, but also role modeling those behaviors is important. Yeah, I like that. I think it is really important for leaders to do this as well and to make sure that they're doing it well and then people as we always say people will follow suit right if something is a behavior is being 
modeled, they're more likely to do it, especially if it's coming from leadership, because then it feels like that is valued behaviors. Yeah. Yeah. So um, if you can start growing your culture of compassion now, uh, make sure people are paying attention to each other, showing empathy to each other and actually taking action to follow up and follow through uh, to make sure that folks are doing okay. And if you can do that, you can prepare yourself for what hopefully is not a next big event, but who knows, <laughs> um, whatever the next big event will be, you'll fail, fare better in the face of it if you already have this culture built in. Yeah, agreed. And if you're an employee that is part of a not so great culture, like just know that you can make an impact on the people around you too and maybe start building that type of environment at least within the your circle as much as possible, um, which obviously would have some positive benefits too. So I think this is a really cool article. Thank you so much for sharing it. Yeah, of course. Thank you for listening to it. Of course. And for all of our wonderful listeners out there, as you mentioned before, we have our community launching soon. So we'll include a link for you to sign up to get more information. Um, I'll also include links to the article and all the good stuff as always. And if you have any feedback, questions, thoughts, we always love to hear from you. So feel free to email us at contact at workerbeing.com. Find us on social at workerbeing, um, including YouTube, and then our website, workerbeing.com. Thanks for listening. The Worker Being Podcast is hosted by us, Patricia Grabarek and Katina Sawyer, and produced by Allie Johnson. Oh.